Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew, uh, well, chapter 1, verse 23, and we're going to look at Old Testament passages and New Testament passages and how everything really comes together through prophecy, but based on what God had done and prophesied to the, that he would send the Savior into the world. And reading the Christmas story here in Matthew, I'll just read a little bit in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child out of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took him, took uh, to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth their firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So powerful, because what was going on here in Israel and in Jerusalem and, and all that region was there was so much political turmoil. There was difficult times. People were really struggling with the political upset. The Romans had conquered and invaded that Palestinian area, era, and the Jewish people were living under tyranny, under this Roman rule. But God said, you know what? I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to bring you out of this bondage. And what the Bible shows is that you have immediate prophecy fulfilled, and then there is future prophecy fulfilled. What God was saying here through this passage is that the child will become a savior of the world. And this was prophesied through Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Jesus was even born. Now, we're going to go, keep your finger in Matthew in this part, but open up to Isaiah. Let's go to the Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and this major prophet in the Old Testament, and chapter 7, and look what was going on in the world at that time. Political unrest, just so much disaster and, and, and hard things that were happening, difficult challenges and war and, and rumors of war, and, and people were just, just trying to find food. Very difficult time what our country is going through right now. We went through a war in Iraq, and now we're, we have a war in Afghanistan, and, and the whole world is really upset. Difficult times, and difficult economic times for our families. But here in Isaiah, it was prophesied, but what God would do was deliver his people from difficult situations. And in the beginning with chapter 7 in Isaiah, verse 1, 
It says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Serious forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Now, King Ahaz was a bad king. He was a bad king of Judah. And what had happened was that this whole, God's people were divided. You have a northern kingdom and you have a southern kingdom. And uh, the northern kingdom, kingdom Israel was going to come down and fight against the southern kingdom. And they had aligned themselves with uh, Syria here. And, and now they were coming down. And King Ahaz was really a bad king, but he was a king of Judah and, uh, and, and the capital of Jerusalem. And they were just terrified. They were saying, oh no, now we're going to fight. Our enemies are going to come against us. And, and they were like trees that were blowing in the wind, just shaking in the wind. And, and you ever been in a, in a forest when the wind was really blowing hard and, and just the noise that it makes and, and the crackling and, the, and, and branches falling and, and things that are just really, it's a very unsafe place to be. And so King Ahaz, they're, they're all their hearts are just, Oh man, just destruction is going to come upon us. In your life, and this happens quite frequently, anybody get married? Uh, all of it, you know when you're young and, and single and you think, hey, life is just, man, a bowl of cherries and you just think everything's going great. And all of a sudden, you have this one child and then you get some bills to pay. And then you get two children and, and then all of a sudden, economic hard times come and and the Bible would just referring to this is that the wind is blowing and there's a lot of difficult things happening, but God is saying, I'm going to help you to prevail. I'm going to get you through this. Verse 3, it says, And the Lord said to Isaiah, Hey, go out now and meet Ahaz. Here's the man of God, the prophet of God. I want you to go out and meet this king. This king is really against me. He has not been supporting uh, Israel or just the people of God. He's a bad king. I want you to talk to this guy. And that's what prophets were for in the days of, uh, in those early days. They were to warn people and to guide people to say, don't go the bad way, go God's way, and you will live and you will prosper. And so he says, uh, you and Shir Jazab, your son at the end of the aqueduct, there at the upper pool on the highway in the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet, and do not fear or faint-hearted, for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, I'm talking about these two nations, are the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them and the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. 
This is what the prophet is telling. God is telling the prophet Isaiah to tell Ahaz. Now, what's, what's incredible here is that Isaiah goes out to meet Ahaz with his son, Sheer, how do you say it? Jezub. You know what that means? You know, in Hebrew, the, the, whole, the Hebrew word is that the, the, the remnant shall return. The remnant shall return. It was a, a ray of hope to Ahaz. Listen, God is going to put everything together. God is going to restore his people. God is not going to leave you abandoned. God will provide for all of your needs. So Ahaz comes to meet, uh, Isaiah comes to meet Ahaz, and Ahaz there at the aqueduct. You see what a king does, he has to prepare for battle. And Jerusalem did not have their own water source to come up. They had to go to an aqueduct, and the aqueduct would bring water into the city. So if there's going to be a battle, there's going to be war, the king has to make sure that in a siege you have water and food. And so there's Ahaz looking at the aqueduct, making sure we got enough water to come in and, and, and to keep the people supplied because as the, the enemy is coming from the north and, and they're going to attack us. i got to make sure that we have enough water. And there he's checking all the things out. And engineers and military engineers, the uh, Army Corps of Engineers, right? They're out there making sure the soldiers have enough water, water coming in, or uh, if you go to... Well, Justin, you've been to, uh, well, they, they give you bottled water now, right? They provide truckloads of bottled water. Those of you who have been out in the, the field or in the military, you have to provide your soldiers with water. Here, Isaiah comes with his son, and his son's name is that the remnant shall return. And that what he is saying is that God is going to provide and restore your people and provide for all of your needs. I want you to trust in me. And that's why in verse 9 it says, if you will not believe, surely you will not be established. Do you know that the reason why so many of us as believers are struggling day to day in, with fear and we, we have, uh, oh, will this bill, will this check come in for this or will I make it to the end of the week will I still have my job January 1st or will I it's because we're not doing what it says right here what the prophet says if you do not believe you will not be established we put too much trust in an employer will this will anybody need me in 2011 will my job still be valid in 2011 or will I be obsolete and God is saying that's not the direction I want you to go that's the direction the king Ahaz was going. God is saying, I want you to trust in me regardless of the, uh, if the whole economy explodes, I'm going to provide for you. That's why I sent Ahaz, Isaiah with his son, a remnant shall return, that God is going to take you and use your life to do great things for God. And that's why in verse 10 it says, that Moreover, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. Ask it, either in depth or in height above. And so it, you know what God is saying through Isaiah? is that, listen, Ahaz, you have not been obedient to God, but you know what? God is going to keep his promises to his people. Ask anything you want, any sign you want, and God will give it to you. 
that just to let you know that he's going to keep his promises and protect you and to keep you preserved and, and your people. Ask any sign you want. I mean, have you ever asked a sign from God or said, God, I don't know which direction to go in my life, but could you give me a sign? Like a, a bolt of lightning from heaven, and that'll say, you know, invest in this stock or that stock. Well, I don't think God does it that way, but it's, uh, people have, uh, say, Lord, well, Gideon did this. He said, Lord, if you want me to go into battle or if what, uh, give me, let the fleece be wet in the morning, the dew be on the, on the grass but not on the fleece, or, and then the next day he asked for another sign. God was doing this with Ahaz saying, ask any sign that you want to confirm that I'm going to stand with you and it will be granted to you. But this king, he's a rotten king, right? He's, just keep that in mind. He says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Now stop right here, because this sounds like a real righteous king, but it's really he's fooling everybody. <laughs> he says, hey, I'm not going to test the Lord. You know, the Bible says you're not supposed to test God or, or challenge God. You know what Ahaz, though, in his heart, he was really saying, I don't need God. He was saying that I can get through this battle myself. Who needs God? And I'm competent in my own abilities, and I don't need, I don't, in fact, I don't even trust God. I, the way, that's why I have to go look, check out my aqueducts, because I don't really believe that God is going to provide for all my needs. i got to do it myself. And then, verse 13, then he said, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And to see, this is the whole point, is that God was saying, you know what, you're not asking for a sign, but I'm going to give you a sign, Ahaz. You were so wicked, you won't even... <coughs> I, I, I'm asking you to, uh, to give me, uh, I'll, ask me for a sign, and I'll give it to you. But you won't give it. So I'm going to give you a sign. There's going to be a child going to be born. And this child is going to, uh, or this woman, this virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You see, you weren't willing to ask. Oh, thank you. This, see, this is the good water here. This is the, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Was I coughing or something? Yeah. Okay, well. I, well, you're supposed to share, right? I'm going to pass the bottle around here. And <laughs> that's what. Mm, thank you, okay. So, uh, so he, behold, the, the virgin shall conceive. Now, back then, Ahaz doesn't know what, what, what is going on. What the Bible teaches, though, is you have some immediate prophecy fulfilled because somewhere, somebody in the house of Ahaz, a virgin did conceive and bore a child. But what you find in the Bible is that what God does, he gives an immediate prophecy, and then he gives a future prophecy. And this was all tied in with what was happening here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. But the immediate prophecy was that, hey, listen, Ahaz, and see, we forget about these things. We forget, we, we read it in the New Testament, 
but we forget what God was actually doing in the world. There was so much chaos and destruction and war and, and people fearing for their lives and, and wondering, will there be enough water for tomorrow? We don't know. And God is saying, listen, I want to provide for you. All you have to do is ask. In fact, and I'll give you a sign. The child will be born from a virgin and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in verse 15, it says, And curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know and refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings, and the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since that day that Ephraim departed from Judah. God is saying, there's going to be a tough time, but I'm going to provide. And then verse 18, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will whistle by the fly in, that, in the farthest part of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria, they will come, and all over them will rest in the desolate valleys and the clefts of the rocks and all the thorns and all the, the pastures. And that same day the Lord will shave with a hired razor who, with who, those from beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and hair of the legs, and will remove the beard. And it shall be in that day that a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, so that it shall be from the abundance of milk they give that they will eat curds, for curds of honey everyone will eat who is left in the land. Now, it sounds like they're, what they're getting is all these blessings here in this verse in 22. But it's really what it's saying is that there's going to be so few people left. that so much destruction and so many people will pass away that from the abundance of a milk from a cow, a young cow and a couple of sheep, you will be able to feed all the remaining people that are left. And what God is saying is that even though there are just a remnant few of people I'm going to provide, and from those few, I'm going to do a, a mighty work, and I'm going to establish a great nation. So he's saying that totally not all the people will be destroyed, but there's going to be a remnant. Have you ever felt like you were the last person at work that's a Christian, and there's nobody else, and that everybody else is just doing their own thing, and everybody's just talking really bad, and, and saying bad words, and, 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 and bad jokes, and... and just things that aren't pleasant to your ear as a believer. And you think, man, I wish there was another Christian around here that I could talk to that just I can relate to. And that in those days, it was so bad that people were just down to a remnant of followers of God. And what God is saying is that I'm going to preserve you through the tough times. I'm going to keep you faithful to you through the difficult times. And that's why he continues on in verse 23, and it shall happen in that day that wherever there could be a thousand vines worth of a thousand shekels of silver, it will be for briars and thorns. With arrows and bows men will come there because all the land will become briars and thorns. And to any hill which could be dug with the hoe, you will go, not go there for fear of briars and thorns, but it will become a range for oxen and a place for sheep to roam. And then in chapter 8, it says, And moreover, the Lord said to me, Take a large scroll and write on it with a man's pen concerning Meher Shal Ha 
buzz, and I will take it and, and make my, myself faithful witness to record Uriah the priest, Zechariah the son of uh, Zechariah. And then I went to the prophetess and conceived, and she conceived, and she bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Meharshal Bahaz, Hash Bahaz, for before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father, my mother, the riches of Damascus, and the spoil of Samaria will be taken away before the king of Assyria. The Lord also spoke to me again, saying, Inasmuch as these people refuse the waters of Shiloh that flow softly and rejoice in Razine and Ramalia's son, now therefore, behold, the Lord brings up over them and the waters of the river, strong and mighty. And the king of Assyria in all his glory will go up and all the channels and all over the banks and will pass through Judah and then will overflow and pass over and will reach up to the neck and stretching out the wings, they will fill the breadth of the land of Emmanuel, be shattered, O you peoples, and be broken into pieces. Give ear, all you from far countries, gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, but let it come. It will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. You see, God is going to stand before you. Even through the difficult times that these kings and all the evil that was going on, God's promises always prevail. And that's why when he sent his son, here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and that he is saying that God is with you. I think that the hardest part about being a Christian a lot of times for me is that I forget that God is with me. I forget that, you know what? Jesus is standing right with me. and He will deliver me. He's not going to abandon me. And I always, whenever Louis Juarez gets in the way and Louis Juarez says, well, I'm going to handle it myself. Well, I don't need God. I don't need to pray right now because I know that uh, things will work out. God is saying, you're just behaving like King Ahaz. You're not trusting in me. Well, I want to give you a sign. And when you pray, you are actually allowing me to enter in your life and to see my power work through your weakness. And, and I love it when it says here, when you go out and... Uh, and uh, in verse 9, uh, chapter 9, let's just skip over to chapter 9 and verse in Isaiah. Nevertheless, gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee to the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And what it's saying is here, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, that's the, the Galilee area of that time. That was the, where Jesus would come from. And Jesus is the one, the light that would come out of that area and the light that would shine to the Gentiles. So here, 700 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet is saying that, Hey, from the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, there's going to be this great hope that will come upon the people. And then he says, those who have dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And that's from Psalm 23. Lo, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. You don't have to fear evil. You don't have to fear any, any conspiracy of what people can do to you when you know that God is going to stand with you. 
And that's why it says in verse 3, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice with you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice, they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Verse 5, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle, the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, King Ahaz was a failure as a king. King Ahaz did not trust God, and he went away from God, and he did not hope in God. And even when God said, ask for any sign and I will give it to you, he refused that God's offering him some hope. But what God does here 700 years before Jesus was even born, that his prophecy that he would come and give you hope, and that's the whole purpose of what we, why we celebrate Christmas is to say that I have hope. I have hope in a God who will never leave me. I have hope in a God that had promised that he's going to provide for all my needs. And he said, just ask me and I will give it to you. You know what our problem is? We're not asking God. We're not saying, God, I, let, me, let me just come to you. And, and you've asked me just like as a child, ask his parents for anything. Ask me anything, son, and I'll give it to you, Right? Dads, I mean, anything you want, and we want to provide for our children what is good for them. Just like Justin, a brand new child, and a little, a little son, not even a, a week old. He's six, six days old. There isn't anything these parents won't do for that child. They would die for that child, and, and they would give their lives. And God is saying, this is exactly the kind of love I have for you. I will give my life for you. And that's why I sent my son Jesus. The whole purpose for Jesus being born is to die for you. God came to earth to become a man, to die for you. You see, there was no other way to do it. There's no other way for God to demonstrate his love for us. I mean, he can give us things and say, well, thank you, God, for giving me sunshine, giving me rain, and giving me food. Those are all nice things, good things, important things. But he said, there's something you really lack in your life. In order for you to be with me for all eternity in heaven, I have to send my son, Jesus. Because in order for you to be in my kingdom, you have to be perfect. And there's no way you can be perfect unless a perfect sacrifice dies in your place and his blood washes you of all your sin. And that's why the virgin had to bear this child. And it was prophesied and it was fulfilled. God with us. And that's why God says that anybody who believes, and Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever, let's say it together, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. Terrible things were happening and, and all the, the destruction in this, in this land. And then, and in verse 20, if you go into chapter 10 of Isaiah, in verse 24, it says, Therefore, whoever says of the Lord of God of hosts, 
O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He shall strike you with a rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt, for yet in a little while, and the indignation will cease, as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him, like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb, as his rod was on the sea. So he will lift it up in the manner of Egypt. And then going to chapter 11, it says, And there will come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. This is talking about Jesus. And a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with the righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with iniquity the meek and the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall lay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and the faithfulness of the belt of his waist. And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, that's, a, that's an incredible sight. The wolf and the lamb, you know, together there. Talking about future events. And even not when Jesus came, but when he comes the second time. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Imagine a little child leading all these, these lions and uh, walking before them. And, and the cow and the bear shall be grazing. You're going to go out to a field and, and, the, and, the, and these in the future kingdom, when the Lord restores everything, all creation, going to be out there the king, uh, and there on the field, they're going to see a cow grazing with a bear, and uh, and he says that that their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play at the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. I mean, if you see your child in a round where there's snakes, I mean, you just, a mother, can you imagine hearing that mother running and just screaming and just get away from that cobra's hole? I mean, picking up her child and running away. But when the Lord restores the whole earth and his kingdom, and when the lion is sleeping with a lamb and, 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 and there's going to be a little child playing with a cobra there, and he says, what is going on here? Well, what God did is he restored creation. Because the king of peace has come and, and Jesus has come. And now in these latter days, and we haven't seen it yet because you can't go near a cobra's hole. I mean, let's, let's face it. How many of you like snakes? I mean, none of, oh, I've got one snake handler back here. Uh, but we run from snakes. Snakes has this, this, this thing that makes your skin crawl. It just, you don't like being around snakes. But God is saying, hey, listen. Every beast of the field, no matter what it is, we're all going to be at peace because the Creator is going to restore creation. And in verse 9, it says, And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. You see, what God is doing is saying, I'm going to make everything right again. 
Man tries to destroy things, man perverts things, and man has just gone his own way. But I will make things right. And it's all rooted in my son, Jesus Christ. And that's why you have to ask God. Say, God, I need forgiveness of my sins, and I need to get right with you, and I, I'm ready to do that now, and I want to have peace with you, and I, I want to be around in those days where I could just don't have to worry about those things in life that are haunting me. And I want to be at peace with God. And what he's saying is you can right now when you accept my son, Jesus Christ. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that we bow our heads, with our heads bowed and eyes closed. You can pray this prayer with me and just silently right where you're seated. Say, Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. I need to be at peace with God. I no longer want to trust in my own abilities as King Ahaz did and but I want to call upon you because you've asked me to call on you you said ask me anything and I will give it to you we don't want to refuse you Lord because you are offering to us eternal life and this eternal life can only come through your son Jesus and so I pray that right now we will as a people of God say yes Lord we surrender our lives to you I pray that as a church we will have our values and our foundations set on the rock and not drift away as, as these nations of the old, uh, Israel and Judah, just followed men who were not serving God. But we want to serve the living God. We want to serve the, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the Counselor, the, the Everlasting Father. So, Father, I pray that right now you would cleanse our hearts, our minds, make us right with you. If there's anybody here today that needs prayer, I want you to come forward. I'm going to ask that our prayer counselors come forward right now. Let's all stand right now, and as everyone's standing, and our, our prayer counselors are going to come forward. If you need prayer, you come and say, yeah, will you pray for me? I need prayer, and I want to get right with God. I want to have peace with God, and I need to do that today. So as... Prayer counselors are coming and Dan is singing. You come and we're going to pray for you right now.